Matthew 13, reading from verse 54, on page 948, 48. Coming to his hometown, he began to teach the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offence at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his own hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honour. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus and said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist, he's risen from the dead. That's why miraculous power is at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. 
the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we uh, thank you that we can listen and look at, read, ponder and wonder at your word. And we pray that as we do that, you would help us, lead us, correct us, teach us, encourage us, enthuse us, lead us in Jesus' name and keep me from error, we pray. Amen. The title of today could sound quite insulting to you, I suppose. If you, the title of this, which I think is on your new sheet, is Who is Jesus, a bloke from down the road? Now, saying that sort of thing can upset people, but the reason why it's in the title, uh, Is He a Magician or a Ghost, is because it's in the passage. Sorry. So that's, I'm just reflecting the passage. So I hope you're not upset by calling Jesus a bloke from down the road. Um, Matthew has been at pains to make sure that we didn't see Jesus as anything like that. And I don't need to tell you that. He wants to see that Jesus is bringing about a cataclysmic interruption of how the world works, that he is changing the whole very fabric of the world to bring it under himself and in his redemption, find newness, uh, recreation and life. And that's what Matthew has been doing. But at the centre of this passage is the question, who is Jesus? And these answers are the ones reflected in the title. Firstly, at home in verses 54 to 58, which we touched on slightly in chapter 13 last week, because during that chapter, Jesus' family came. You remember they came and they wanted to take him home. And it seems that he responded to that. He went home. What would happen when he went home is a good question and we find out. Jesus goes to the synagogue and teaches and in verse 54, they're amazed. Where did he get such wisdom? How does he do these miracles? Reasonable questions, questions that Matthew has encouraged us to face and to answer, and he's given us answers as we go along. Here, in his hometown, such questions are raised. The answer that they come up to those questions, though, probably does hits us and surprises us. Verses 55 Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? I I remember when I was in Tamworth, there was a a young boy. He was uh, just coming through primary school and he came from a very underprivileged background and the teachers could realize that this boy had a lot of potential 
He was very smart. And they wanted to support him as best as they could. The minister I was working with at Tamworth was part of this network. Funnily enough, he lived on the right near the school. The school had a, his back fence was on the school, but that was nothing to do with it. They were part of that, and he would belong to our church, and they encouraged him. And he was smart as a whip, and they they worked hard and tried to get him into the boys' school, the Farrah Agricultural High School, which was near, and it was a sort of selective school, and they supported him, and they'd hoped he would go off and board away from the environment that, you know, worked against him a bit and able to keep him going and boost him up. Well, he did that and he did very well, he did quite well until he got to high school. When he got to high school, what he found is that when he got back home, they all had a go at him. He was too good for them. What do you think you're doing? You belong here with us. He copped it right, left and centre from his own family, from the neighbours' kids, from the street, the neighbourhood. Soon he went off the rails because the local boy belonged here and he needed to be doing what we were doing. In that case, pulling him down. Now, the good part of that story is that eventually, amazingly, he came through. And I think God had a good part of it, to be honest, and he's actually doing quite well, but he had to separate himself from that community and even from his own family. Here, faced with the prospect that we know his family, his dad's a carpenter. We know his mum, his brothers, his sisters. Jesus teaching, doing miracles, oh, this is ridiculous. What is their answer? Verse 57, they took offence at him. That's a strange response. Who is Jesus? In this case, he's just one of us. What are you talking about? He can't be anything more than that. And so... Verse 58 is often seen as the wrong way around. Have you heard of heard that saying, putting carts before horses? Have you ever had a cart? I've never had a cart. I've never had a horse, which is good. Which I don't know if that's good or not. But if I had a cart, I would have needed a horse. I didn't have either. But putting the cart before the horse, people sometimes say, because there's no faith, God doesn't work. No, that's just, I'm sorry, that's dumb talk. Sorry, that's wrong. What's happening here is just like in chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. Do you remember when Jesus was sending out the 12 and he said, go where they welcome you, stay? What happens when they don't welcome you? Move on. Move on. That's what Jesus is doing here. There isn't faith, so he moves along. Only in his hometown, as he says, in his own house is a prophet without honour. There's no doubt that there's almost no minister that could grow up in the church and then become its minister. It's pretty hard. I know little Keith. I knew what he did down there at the Sunday school picnic. 
he stole that cream, you know, all that sort of stuff would come out. It doesn't, it happens, you don't do it. Answer, who is Jesus? Answer, he's just one of us. What are you talking about? Secondly, Herod's bizarre fear in chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. Herod hears about Jesus' fame in verse 1, and his response in verse 2 is equally surprising, perhaps more surprising. This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. There couldn't be one person sitting here who doesn't find that answer, who is Jesus, Herod's answer, as very strange, surely. No one here thinks, yeah, sounds fine. <laughs> it's a weird answer. In the day, there are some strange practices which are completely and utterly foreign to us, but they were very much part of the ancient world. The strange thing about the ancient world is the more you look into it, the more strange it gets in the spiritual world. And I'm about to present you a possible answer to Herod. Herod is not really very Jewish. You know that, don't you? He's very Greek. And he's not liked by the Jews because he's not one of them. He's an imposter. He's a man who reflects a very wide range of spiritual practices. And Herod seems to reflect that. Magicians, would you believe, were thought to get power by raising the powerful spirits of a dead person. And we don't normally talk about those sort of stuff and we don't really need to because he seems to think that this spirit of John is now at work in Jesus. And then Matthew gives us a flashback. Do you know what a flashback is? Yeah, that's what this story is. And it's a flashback we all know because Hollywood loves this story. Hollywood loves this story of lust, revenge, murder and cruelty. I just count how many verses that Hollywood have made movies out of, just about six verses or so, seven verses. They love it. But the flashback gives us, sets it up for why Herod has this strange fear. Herod seizes John, has him bound and imprisoned, and then because Herodias, his wife, who used to be the wife of his brother, who left his brother to marry him, and John said, don't do that, you shouldn't do that. Herodias Never forgot that. And then she got her daughter, you know that story, to do the dance and whatever. Pleased Herod, got that whole thing, and then eventually, what is the focus of this story? It's actually John the Baptist's head on a platter. That's actually where the focus of the story goes to. Would you believe, and this is going to sound weird, at the time, there was a sorcery practiced and known 
that a powerful spirit could be obtained from a beheaded person. So not only did we have that other thing, but there was the beheaded one. If you had the head of this powerful spirit, you had even greater powers of power of magic and sorcery. That seems to be what Herod's fear is. And that's why we get the story and the focus on the head. That he knows where the body went. Where did the head go? It's a possibility. Herod is terrified about Jesus. And John the Baptist, according to him, has come back from the dead and is now at work in Jesus, the magician. That is his answer. Who is Jesus? Herod's answer is he's a magician using sorcery with John the Baptist's head. Bizarre answer number two. Jesus hears of what happened to John once John's disciples tell him and he withdraws, which is our third point. He withdraws to a solitary pace in verse 13 to 21 of chapter 14. Jesus withdraws, he leaves because of this news and he goes to a solitary place and he does that by a boat by himself. In in times of extreme danger, we will notice that Jesus withdraws like this by himself to a solitary place to pray. What is the most famous solitary place to pray that you can think of? The Garden of Gethsemane, that's right. That's in the future. Now he does it, but the crowd in verse 14 follows him, and it's a great crowd. There are a lot of people. And so when Jesus lands, remember he's landed to get away from everyone, (laughs) they're all there. He hasn't got away from anyone. And we're told this wonderful detail, though, in verse 14. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Disciples seeing was late, are worried though in verse 15, you need to send them away to go get something to eat, you know, up the road to milk bar, get a hamburger, that sort of thing. But they're in a lot place that's a long way away. It's a solitary place. It's a long way to go. It's quite a crowd, verse 21, 5,000. But that's the men. How many women are there? Probably at least the same. How many children are there? I don't know. We've now got 12, 14, I don't know. Doesn't matter, it's a big number. Jesus says in verse 16, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Do you know that saying, uh, you've, you've thrown them a hospital pass? You ever heard of that part? You ever that saying? It's a, it's a rugby league thing. You know, it's what what does it mean? When someone's about to get clobbered and they've got no way of escaping, you just give it to them and they, they get smashed. <laughs> That's what that feels like. You feed them. Feed them. Verse 17, we've only got five loaves of bread and two fish. But remember, we've got this important detail, compassion. And it leads us to the next section because Jesus asked for the five fish 
the five loaves and the two fish, and he sits them down on the grass. Remember that. And Jesus gives thanks. He looks up to heaven in verse 19, and suddenly there's everyone's eating in verse 20. Not only are they eating, they're all eating. In fact, they've all eaten until they've had enough. They can't eat anymore. And strangely enough, there's so much food. Remember, we only had five loaves and two fishes. Five, two. They're all satisfied and we pick up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left. Remember that question, who is Jesus? What are we getting from this? There's this obvious parallel, isn't there, between Jesus and the Exodus, where in the, in the desert God provided, now in a solitary place, a bit desert-like, Jesus gives food to his people. When the devil took Jesus into the desert and he said, feed yourself, Jesus said, no. When they're in a solitary place and God sees the need of providing for his people, he provides. Twelve is an important number. Twelve tribes of Israel. There will be twelve disciples, as there are. Twelve is a big number. But there's actually only two tribes of Israel present because the other 10 have disappeared, 722 BC. We don't know where they went. But with the 12 baskets full, there's time for them to return and time for God's people to be gathered. There is more than enough for God's people now and for all time. Jesus is able to amply provide for all his people. Verse 23, uh, Psalm 23 has that lovely phrase, he makes you lie down in green pastures. It's not an accident that Jesus asks them to sit on the grass and provides and comforts in a solitary place where he needs to act and does. What sort of person could perform this miracle? Who is Jesus? The answer is God himself who will provide our needs. So we expect the story to keep going, but fourthly we end up in uh, with the point of Jesus, it's a he's a ghost. He immediately gets in the he gets the disciples into the boat to go ahead of him. And remember why he's there. He's come to withdraw to a solitary place, and he does in verse twenty three. He goes up a mountain by himself. But while he's there, in verse 24, he sees that a storm has beaten up on his disciples who have gone out on the boat. Something wonderful happens which Matthew gives us no clue what it is. Verse 25, Jesus came to them on the water. Now, where was he? My memory was he was up in the mountain, <laughs> the verse before. Now he's on the water. We've seen episodes like that from long ago where people appear in places a long way apart. They cry, as the disciples see him coming, what is their reaction? It's a ghost. 
They're scared. They're frightened out of their wits. Who expects the one you know to be walking towards you on the water? Jesus replies, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. His reply is that reply that is famous in the Gospels and which I know you know well. It's the one that literally when you read in the original, it strangely translates I, I am, when all you needed to say was I am. The reason why Jesus replies that way, the reason why the gospel writers keep highlighting it, particularly John, is they want you to realise it reflects the name of Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God's own name, the great I am. When Moses asked, who shall I say sent me, when he's going back to Pharaoh, God says, I am, tell him I am. We don't know how that works or how that translates, but God's, uh, God's name basically means I am who I am, I am who I was, and I am who I always will be. I'm the eternal one. Jesus is saying, it is I. The idea that the eternal one himself is walking on the water, he reveals himself as God. Only God hovers over the waters of creation. Only God treads his creation, conquering the sea itself. Long ago, Moses led people through the Red Sea. Paul, Peter, seeing Jesus, calls, and he wants to be led in the same way. You've got to love him, haven't you, Peter, when he cries out, Oh, can I come? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Jesus has to tell him to come. He just doesn't get out and run to him. Tell me to come to you. Come. Remember that compassion. Come. What does Jesus say to them when they first? Come, follow me. Peter walks, and that's a great phrase, isn't it? Peter walks on the water. But verse 30 comes in. It's a very Keith moment. He became afraid when he noticed the wind and he started to do how I swim. Do you like the swimming? I swim like this. He started to sink. It's exactly my experience. He cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31. Is that again, we've seen Jesus appear in the water again in verse 31, that wonderful word, immediately. Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Jesus saves him and he gives him that insight into why he needed to be saved. He has little faith. We return to the central idea of this section. Who is Jesus? Is he just the local boy? ordinary bloke down the road? Is he a magician? Is he a ghost? Disciples close with the wonderful declaration of verse 33, worshipping him. They don't do that lightly. 
worshiping him, they say, truly, you are the son of God. There it is underlined. It's the one we've been reading as Matthew all the way. And it's the one we've been coming to accept on the words of the disciple himself. Jesus is God's son. Herod was wrong about Jesus. He had nothing to fear if he turned to Jesus and asked to be saved. The disciples cried out on the water because cause they thought he was a ghost. They were wrong. Afraid, Jesus saved them. Peter sinking through fear, Jesus saved him. There was no need to fear. Jesus came that we might not fear and we might know his love and believe and trust in his great and his victory. Jesus is the Emmanuel that we are celebrating at Christmas. He will save people from his sins that Matthew has been trying to communicate to us. He transforms fear into faith. He answers their questions, provides their needs. He will save and none will be lost who come to him. Jesus' compassion continues in the rest of this chapter in the last three verses, verses 34 to 36, because people continue to come. He continues to meet their need and he will meet our needs if we come. We have come. I know most of you have come. I know you've come. Jesus meets our needs and will always do so. And he will do so because of his compassion for you. That compassion most wonderfully displayed in the giving of his life that you and I and all who trust in his name should not fear but have life and be saved. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we pray that you would be with us. We, uh, at times, we feel of little faith. Yet, Lord, we just pray that we might be strengthened in our faith because of who you are, for what you have done for us in Jesus, for whom, by what he is and who he is. He is Lord of all things. He is Lord of life itself. And he is the one who has compassion on our world. We pray for our world. Lord, we ask that people might know his love and turn to him. We pray that we would continue to know in our lives the strength and hope of the risen Jesus. Thank you that he is God who has come to save, Emmanuel who came to save us from our sins. Transform our fear into faith. We realize it's human nature to fear things, but when these things come, when certain doubts, certain dangers, certain temptations, certain troubles arrive in our lives, draw us back to you, we pray. Because as we see immediately, Jesus will save. He has saved us and he will keep us and he will provide for us and lead us into pastures of comfort, of strength, hope, and love. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Bless you.